Hi, my name's Silas, aka Silector. I was born and raised in East Oxford, which I'm very proud of. Since I left Oxford, however, I've battled with my identity as an Oxfordian, after having to tirelessly enlighten people about the alternative Oxford that isn't represented in popular media. People just don't seem to know the Oxford I know and love. Students of Oxford and Brooks University make up only around about 20% of the population, yet seem to contribute more to the stereotype of a young Oxfordian than the other 80% of the population. In fact, the Oxford I see boasts the third highest ethnic minority population in South East England. The neighbourhoods in Oxford I'm most familiar with are amongst the 20% most deprived in England, where one in four children live below the poverty line and 22% of adults have little or no educational qualifications. I've been talking to people from a similar background to me who have gone on to do great things with their life. In the last episode, I spoke to Howney Barish about being a third culture kid in Oxford. Something else I wanted to explore about Oxfordians was why so many in the creative industries feel they need to move to London to pursue their careers. As of which, I spoke to old school friend Bemi Shaw, who now works in fashion. I hope you enjoy this episode. So welcome to the Unfortunate Oxfordians. Um, I have a new Unfortunate Ox- Oxfordian with me. Um, just for the people, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, my name's Bemi, sure. Um, I'm from Oxford, but I live yeah. in London now, and mm-hmm. I work in journalism and styling. Cool. So we were talking just off mic and saying that we thought we went to high school together, but actually <laughs> turned out we went to middle school together. And for, I guess, most of the listeners, middle school for them wasn't really a thing because I feel like Oxford was one of the last places in yeah. I guess the region to actually we have middle school. the last schools. year I think as yeah. well before they So we did year it. five and six and then went straight to high school rather than doing five to eight and then go to high school. I get so confused about this but yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. we went to middle school together for two years um, and then I think my dad knew your mum. Yeah. I don't even know how. I have no idea how. Um, but yeah so I always kind of knew of you, knew you were doing well. Actually, I vividly remember seeing you at some sports day kind of thing. You used, used to, to run, be, didn't I used you? to be very good at running. Yeah. That was my career path prior, like, prior to getting into fashion, yeah, yeah. was I was very fast at running. I vividly remember, like, you were the talk. But you, you were know? fast as well, aren't you? Well, that's why I was there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember, like, people saying, oh, yeah, man, the girl's 200 metres, yeah, baby sure, man, watch out for her. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. But yeah, so I've always kind of known of, of you, um... No, you've always been kind of uh, promising as a talent. Like even I from wish. middle school, I remember you. You were intelligent. You, you know, you you're into your books. You're also popular. You were fast. You know, you had a lot going for you. I always knew you were going to be kind of successful in life. That's so funny. I never think about it because I feel like at, maybe it was the school before I got bullied quite bad. Oh, for real? Yeah. So when I maybe moved to my new school, I just decided I was going to put on a really hard exterior, and yeah. it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't get bullied. Well, in the, let's take it back then. Let's take it back right to you were born in Oxford. I'm guessing. Yes, I was born in Oxford. Raised in Oxford. Whereabouts were you raised? Blackpool. Nice. 
Yeah. And yeah, I've come from a single parent household, though my dad was quite mm. present. My dad's from London. Mm-hmm. So I'd spend quite a lot of my time actually going back and forth mm-hmm. from but mostly in Oxford. And yeah, I was brought up there. I've got one brother who mm-hmm. is called Aaron Shaw, if anyone knows him. He's really lovely. That's your brother? Yeah. I don't know why I didn't know that. Really? We look alike. Wait, I'm thinking of another Aaron. Aaron, 2G Aaron. Super. Oh, I think. Wait, that's your brother? Yeah. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah. Oh, now I think about it, you do look a lot alike. We do look a lot alike. Okay, yeah, cool. I'm the prettier one. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And there, that's it. That's it. In that well, what was it like kind of growing up in Black Belize? I guess it's hard to answer that question because as a young person, your experience is the only experience you know. But now you can look at it in hindsight, what would you say are the things that were different in your upbringing to Dan in Norwich? Yeah, Babylon is a weird one because I think Oxford in general is a weird place because people don't realise that it's broken up into so many different, I guess, sectors. Um, you've got town, which is really posh on one side, and then you've got the I can't remember what the council estate that's next to town is. Like kind of over near to Botley, like Ozzy. Yeah, yeah, is like Ozzy? and which had a had a crew like a Oh Jericho. No and Jericho, Jericho and Jericho. Had a bit of a crew, yeah. yeah, so there's like this weird divide knots and then you have beat like Black Belize, which is like onto Cowley Cowley and mm-hmm. I don't know, it's a weird place anyway. If people don't if you've never been there then you would never understand it. But I don't know, my experience was a bit weird. I like I spent quite a lot of my time when I was younger going to like the youth centre. Um, doing dancing, it was, yeah, great. And I kind of was a bit naughty when I was younger. Mm. Um, I was in this like girl group called Murkid Chicks, which was hilarious. Oh, you were in Murkid <laughs> Chicks. I remember Murkid Chicks. I never knew you were in Murkid Chicks. I was in Murkid Chicks. You had a sick tune. I did. I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. And my verse was amazing. Like I still think back and I was like, I could have done that. I could have yeah, done yeah. that. Um, but it was fun. It was, it, to be honest, it was really creative. Mm. I, I never even thought about that until just now, how yeah. fun and creative and the opportunities that I was given when I was younger to sort of, I don't know, do, do what I want, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of, one of the definite benefits of Black Billies or a lot of council estates is that there's a real community atmosphere around yeah. it. And, for example, Black Billies had, like, shout out, like, Black Billies Adventure Playground, CDI Project... I know my mum worked at Black Blues Adventure Playground for a long time, so yeah. I got to like benefit from climbing up that big bird thing. And oh my gosh, that was amazing! Yeah, it's being not there anymore is it? Kids, kids want to MC, they want to like dance, they want you know partake in different yeah. activities, and it's it's great to have a community around you that does that. Um, I'm not sure if it was the same for you, but as you kind of get into your teenage years, um, these collectives of friends doing creative stuff can kind of lead into people getting into that naughtiness yeah i was a little shit in all honesty (laughs) yeah i was so naughty i think i can't remember what school it was but i like got voted most likely to be in jail because i was i was really naughty i was just like it was definitely i was acting up as a teenager okay and i don't know it was definitely part of like our like look and culture was to just be like naughty and not listen to your teachers Mm -hmm. i actually i got moved out of my school because I was naughty, so I went from Piers to St Gregory's, I where really... I became an angel. Well, I remember you in middle school, and I was thinking you were pretty well behaved. I was so, so right. So, I, middle school, I was really good. Yeah. Into my books. 
doing all that shit, like yeah. being a good person. And then I went to Piers. Yeah. And naturally, I think Piers at the time, we had like, I feel like when you think about like, the, oh, I'm not going to name names, but like the OGs of being naughty people. Yeah. Were all in Piers when I was at Absolutely, Piers, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, it was just like, the thing was just to be a naughty person. Yeah. So I'm, I can't, like, when I think back, I was just like, wow, I can't. You've got to tell like, us what exactly you were getting up to. Like, like I threw a teacher at my book, like, I've done a book at my teacher once. Like, wow was just like i don't know like smoking weed at a really young age yeah going to other schools to like have fights with people yeah, yeah. do you know what that i used to enjoy that such, like, not, was, not fighting but i still love do watching do you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. it was like those like i wasn't a fighter by the way mm-hmm. i was like the good one that wasn't okay. i was like actually known for being the like one that wasn't with the naughty group of people but yeah. was always really nice to everyone yeah, yeah so i was that person like i still wasn't fully committed into it mm-hmm. but was just with I grew up with we were all naughty yeah, and my yeah. group of friends were all naughty so that's naturally what happened but mm-hmm. mm, everyone's doing great so yeah, yeah. I guess it was just a phase in our lives yeah well it's interesting because similar to you I kind of grew up in like a single household single parent household and again like you my mum wasn't far away mm. so although I was kind of like had this single parent I still had another parent but what I find interesting and slightly different between what my life was and your life was is that you had an older brother how much of an influence was your older brother in your life? Do you know what? Me and Aaron, when we were younger, we used to f- literally fight like cat and dog. Like, mm. I could say we hated each other. And then we got to an age where he would allow me to like be friends with his friends and mm-hmm. get into that. And do you know one thing he influenced me in my life is like, I wasn't really allowed to see boys. Okay. <laughs> which was a, like something that I definitely didn't experience when I was younger where I think a lot of people did like I wasn't really like into boys I was more of a boy myself yeah. <laughs> and I don't know he definitely would try and steer me down the right path but then also could, could give me this like hard exterior at the same time so see, it was yeah. just like don't take any crap off anyone yeah, sort yeah. of thing but then also be good he was like don't go around being an idiot on the streets but then also don't take any crap off anyone yeah yeah which was like this weird balance of like this like love mm-hmm. but also yeah yeah yeah. he would encourage certain aspects of my behavior but then also at the same time like try and well i've, I've always kind of i haven't ever known him very very well but i've always seen him in the community as being someone that i kind of sort of look up to but kind of was intimidated by him. in like <laughs> yeah. a nice way as in like I wouldn't have a fight with him yeah and yeah. if you see him now I mean he he really bangs Jim yeah he really, he really does <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <A little pitbull. laughs> yeah exactly um, yeah so and he is such a he and still is like really really great person if I have problems I speak mm-hmm. to Aaron and he'll give me advice and yeah, that's yeah. exactly how he was when we were younger as well he'd always give me great advice it wasn't ever like mm. I would do stuff of my own accord like when I was being naughty but my brother would definitely try and like I guess he Keep saw pot- he saw potential yeah. in me yeah yeah um and he'd always say that to me when I was younger he'd always be like you're the smart one yeah. there. like try and really just be like just go and do this yeah yeah instead of doing this and well I mean you eventually you must have at some point because although you were naughty in school you managed to find your way into university. Yeah. How, at what point, kind of, in your school life did you acknowledge university is something you want to do? Definitely when I moved to St Greg's. Um, mm. Even though it was weird when I went to St Greg's, all of my teachers, like, they didn't believe in me, like, mm. academically. Mm-hmm. I can remember one of my teachers saying, like, you're going to fail GCSEs. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. 
got most A's and B's. Nice. Um, but that was definitely the first opportunity where I guess coming out of a school, Piers was like a naughty school at the time, it, it isn't now what I've been told, but coming out of a school where you were constantly not being uplifted in your gifts, mm-hmm. going to a school where you could learn. Like I could actually go into a lesson if I wanted to, I could sit there and I could learn. Mm-hmm. And that definitely changed for me because I, even though I wasn't, I was still a bit naughty, in the sense I wouldn't wear my school uniform and stuff like that. Yeah. I wasn't, I'd go into my lessons and I'd sit down and I'd do my work. And I had a great group of friends that were like quite indie. Yeah. And I'd never experienced that before. So yeah. all my friends would listen to like rock music. And yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, I'm going to get into this and I'm going to start going to Purple Turtle. And I'm going to, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know, I started, I changed as a person as well. And yeah, and that's, I guess, from there, went in, I went to Churwell for mm. sixth form. and Which is somewhat within our community we're kind of prestigious yeah it was, it was like, like if you wanted to do well you yeah. go to sixth form yeah time. which was crazy like mm. my like the progression i guess of even my school career was a bit crazy it went from like the worst school in oxford to going yeah. to the best school in oxford and then yeah from churwell i managed to get the grades and go to university well you mentioned something there that i find quite interesting that you had friends around you who were quite indie listening to guitar music you were going to purple turtle and stuff as a black person did you not kind of feel this is something that people like that look like me don't normally do yeah it was weird and to be honest when i think about black power now like i was definitely having an identity crisis yeah um i don't know that was like the first time i got like my first boyfriend yeah he was into all that sort of music so i was into all that sort of music naturally but i wasn't yeah i can remember like if you know Oxford, then you'll know like Purple Turtle was there and Cellar was there. Cellar was I'd, my home. Yeah, so yeah. I'd go into Purple Turtle for like 10 minutes yeah. with all my friends and then I'd rather go into Cellar nice, <laughs> and I'd spend yeah. the rest of my nights in Cellar. Yeah, yeah. And I'd always think back about that and like when we go to Reading Festival, mm-hmm. I'd be at the Grime tent while everyone yeah, yeah. else is like watching Arctic Monkeys or whatever the hell they're watching. Yeah. So like it was weird and it's, I don't think it's one of those things that like black people or people that look like me shouldn't get involved in. Mm-hmm. I think personally for me, it wasn't me being true to myself. Like mm-hmm. as a teenager, I was just being pulled from so many different angles and yeah, like yeah. really trying to find my place and who I was. And that's, I enjoyed that time in my life and yeah, I look yeah. back on it now and I can definitely see where like the growth came from and what I learned from there but then I can also see that it was definitely me just like experiencing new things but also not being true maybe like true to me as a person well I think the reason why I ask is because again if you know Oxford it's and especially like Black Belize and South East Oxford it's extremely like multicultural Mm. um but I'm not sure if it was the same for you or maybe around the similar age I was going through a similar thing where I started not liking dancehall, not liking hip hop, and just trying different things and yeah. stuff. And you know, the people around me, particularly the people of colour, were like, oh, that's not what you're supposed to do though. Yeah. Like you're of West Indian descent, so you should listen to dancehall, yeah, you should dress yeah. this way, you should behave this way, you should talk more patois, and just stuff like that. Yeah. And there is that, although it's multicultural, there is a sort of pressure from certain cultural groups and communities, I feel. Yeah, definitely. I remember people would always say to me, when I started going to Chowell and um, St. Gregory's, mm. people from Black Belize would say that I changed my accent. They were like, you sound, you started to sound posh. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what does that... Because for me, I didn't 
really understand what like was happening maybe i but that's because i think i was just literally becoming more eloquent like i was yeah, yeah. I, literally that was it i was mm. like learning bigger words i was being able to express myself in a different manner and people were like you're becoming posh we don't like that but yeah, like yeah. for me i actually just think it was like oh actually i think i'm just like my brain's like actually developing a little yeah. bit more and like i can express myself in different ways so yeah, I my mum and my dad used to say it to me all the time. They're like, mm. "You sound so posh now," and I'm like, "Oh, I don't." But it's really interesting you say that because I personally have started to really despise that word posh, mm. just because it's kind of used as it's not supposed to be an insult, but it feels like people otherize you when you say that. Especially people from the same background as you, they say, "Oh, you're posh." It's a, sort of them saying, "You're not like us." Yeah, yeah. But you think to yourself, "But I'm, I am like you because I'm from the same place. <laughs> yeah. and we experience the same things. Don't otherize me." Yeah. Um, but anyway, so after that you went to uni, what did you study at uni? Um, fashion journalism. And this was in? London College of Fashion. Um, I'm very intrigued. We'll get onto the course itself, because fashion is an incredible world. <laughs> it's weird. In itself. <laughs> but um, I'm really intrigued um, as to how people perceived you in London. Because no disrespect to Londoners, but I definitely feel there is a higher level of expectation of you as a black person in London yeah it was it's really weird because like there was i didn't realize anything maybe about london until i finished uni because Mm -hmm. in my course there was i don't think there was there was like two girls Mm -hmm. from london yeah so everyone else was like mainly international students but everyone else had come from different places so it was a bit weird of like this little like micro society in itself that i lived in where it was like people that weren't from London right yeah so it was when I left uni and I started meeting people from London that Mm -hmm. I even started to understand what like the whole like being black being British and being a Londoner was and like how they they're they're weird that I love you guys but you're weird yeah um and I don't know there's like a it's all about who you know and what you're doing and yeah. no I don't know how like I've met a few genuine people but I don't um, I mean forgot what you were saying but like well I was just wondering how okay not just Londoners but how did people generally perceive you upon you saying hi I'm Birmingham I'm from Oxford oh just people would expect me to be posh right okay po- yeah. posh I don't know what that word even means anymore but yeah. like oh you're from Oxford there's literally yeah, yeah. oh you're from Oxford are you was the yeah. response I'd get and be like oh dear and grumpets and yeah, yeah. you're so posh and I'd be like what does I know mm. and I'd always have to say to people no I'm from Lavalise google it because yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. you'd google it and it'd be coming up oh stabbing here yeah, shooting here da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. and I was trying I got bored of trying to explain to people that there was another mm. part of Oxford which was a bit I'm from but then also I don't know why I'd have to do that yeah. Now I realise that like you, I shouldn't have to. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm from yeah, Oxford. Yeah. That's all I need to say to you, which is what I do now. But before I'd have to really, really distance myself from that upper class, middle class background. Yeah. Whereas now I don't. I don't feel the need to do it. But yeah. when I, I definitely was like, oh no, I'm yeah. like you, or like do you know what I mean? Like I'm not posh. I promise. But. but it's interesting. I, I definitely feel, I feel you so much that it doesn't really matter. But I found myself having this identity crisis and like to the people who had this expectation of me being posh, I would act a little bit more gangster. And even that okay. wasn't being true to myself. Yeah. I was just like desperately trying to convince people that I'm not what you think. Yeah. So I'm going to do the polar opposite to what you think, which is still not me. 
and yeah. it creates this kind of conflict of like I'll be really posh to kind of prove to you that not everyone from Black Belize is a gangster yeah. but then I'll be gangster to prove to you that like, everyone from Oxford is posh yeah. and it creates this like conflict of character it really does like yeah. I do remember actually just being quite posh I mm. guess when I was at uni mm. because that was because of the people that were around me everyone yeah, yeah. was like really rich basically yeah. and I come yeah. from like a working class background mm-hmm. didn't know what certain things were like yeah, and yeah. I was really trying to like appear to be mm-hmm. something that I wasn't which mm-hmm. is just, and I think back about this stuff now I'm like you like how have you not had therapy do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> things yeah. like you are going for a lot like your brain was getting pulled in so many different directions mm-hmm. and like trying to be the when I go out on a night out like I just want to be like twerking and dancing but yeah. you, you like, can't act like that because it's like you would be posh trying to <laughs> yeah, just go yeah. like yeah exactly yeah. sidestepping jig like it was yeah, yeah. like it was weird weird it's really interesting that you mentioned therapy actually because I've got a story after so this was after I left uni I went to uni in Bristol and then I came here to London and for a short period of time I was working for a company called Dice mm-hmm. um they're like a ticketing company yeah. events company and um, we had, because we were a startup, we had all these like different startup companies come and like collaborate with us. One of which was called Sanctus. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you heard of them, but they're basically like they provide free therapy okay. for startup companies. So okay. they basically create a little small office within your office, and like members of staff go in at different times and just just have a chat, just have like a you know just a session essentially. That's really good. And I remember at the time, yeah, I've always gen- generally been quite a happy person. I've always thought mental health my mental health fine like I don't need therapy yeah. so I went in sat down and I was talking to this woman she was just asking questions oh yeah how are you feeling I was like yeah I'm alright like you know when you overthink the question someone asking you yeah. think, what are you trying to work out have you seen Peep Show there's an <laughs> yeah, episode yeah. Where, where Jez is like well I'm going to tell you what you don't want to hear but yeah I was just I was really confused and then eventually I like kind of yeah felt a bit more comfortable and then she started asking me questions that made me realise, this is something we mentioned off mic, made me realise that I have a survivor's guilt. Yeah. And I thought, how do I have survivor's guilt? It doesn't make sense. And it was all because I felt so displaced from the people from where I'm from. Yeah. Like, there was a few comments in the lead-up to that, such as, like, you're too posh to be from Black Belize, and, um, yeah, just things based around kind of being posh and being here and people from Black Belize don't make it here and you don't have kids and people from Black Belize have kids by this age and mm-hmm. just stuff like that and it realized, it made me realise I have this survivor's guilt and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast essentially yeah. and you're so right I think it made me realise that people that have literally come from a certain background and find themselves in a completely different environment probably could do with therapy oh 100% at some point oh, 100% yeah. like uh, I, now I suppose something I've looked into having because I mm. know for a fact I was saying to you before like I was really immersed in this London scene for Mm -hmm. such a long time like way too much than I never wanted to be Mm -hmm. and I do remember it getting way too much and one it was like I had like seven different personalities like Mm. honestly I felt like I was I had my work bear me Mm -hmm. pee pee like being in pussy pass bear me Mm -hmm. like going home and being with my family Mm. going with my boyfriend just being like this maybe as authentic as I could be and Mm -hmm. I was just like what do you mean by authentic? Like, n- not having to mm. say what I think people want me to say. I see. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. just just not having to think about what I was saying. And also just being mm. like, oh, I can just talk and it'll be absolutely fine. Because yeah. even when I speak to my family, 
you always like they put so much money and effort into me being here mm-hmm. and like we were saying like sometimes you get people telling you oh you're doing so well you're doing so well but like sometimes when I well when I was first started out working like I couldn't afford my rent like mm. I'd be working like three jobs trying to like even sustain what I was doing because you know you start off in these jobs and you have to literally that was work exactly it. for free yeah, but people yeah. are like oh my god you're doing so well and I'm like I'm not if only you do <laughs> yeah, yeah if only you do I am so struggling right now yeah, but like yeah. I'm gonna try and do this so even when I was speaking to my family it was like oh I'm doing I'm doing fine mum no I haven't had any like I haven't had any sleep because I'm literally doing a bar job working yeah. in the daytime and working at the weekends but I'm fine like yeah, I'm telling yeah. you I'm fine and then like when I'd be with my boyfriend, I remember I'd just be like, oh, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like my brain's exhausted. And I went, that's why I saying to you, I went back to Oxford because mm-hmm. I wanted a break. I was like, I'd had enough of it. I wanted a break. I tried to go back and just like have, I decided to do a month in my head, was like going to do a month and try and just chill and recuperate and get mm-hmm. my, then start looking for jobs and get back into London. And I was like, I lasted a week, a week and a half. Yeah. In Oxford, and I was like, I can't do this. I was yeah, so yeah. bored. I didn't know what to do. Mm. My friends weren't my friends anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I've still got some real good, like, day ones in Oxford, but they have jobs too. Like, they can't yeah, entertain yeah. me in the of daytime course. when I'm not working. And, like, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I just couldn't. I could see myself getting stuck again. And this sort of stuck wasn't the stuck that I wanted to be I did I like honestly I couldn't be back in Oxford I didn't mm. see my life my life wasn't there anymore and I had to move back well let's keep this like chronologic so we got to the point where you got to uni you're in well you're doing fashion mm. what was it like doing fashion and why fashion of all things I don't know honestly I can't okay. even I ooh. I didn't really know what I wanted to study at uni mm-hmm. and I remember like we do like career days or something like that mm-hmm. and one of my, my English teacher actually she said you know you're really good at writing mm-hmm. um, but I knew I didn't want to go into like history or I don't even know like lit, like doing literature or anything like that that wasn't for me I was mm-hmm. more of like critical in my writing mm-hmm. and I would never wear my school uniform okay, <laughs> yeah. so she was like and you love fashion you just like love to dress how you wanted to dress so you should try and look into doing something like that. And like, mm. I don't know, it was like, I guess, I can't remember, it was like, maybe I was like 16, I bought like Vogue for the first time. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, I love this. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I was, and I started reading all the articles and stuff like that. So yeah, developed myself, did everything that I needed to do that would mean that I'd get into a fashion uni. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I went to do fashion. It was weird. Every, you said there was a lot of international students Everyone well. was international at my course. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Like, I think... Is it like the draw of doing fashion in London in particular it was mad like me even my application process I didn't think I'd get in because you had to do like this big questionnaire before then you had to go in and do an interview then a Mm. test and then a one-on-one interview Oh, wow. And out of 1,500 people, only 30 people got picked for my course. Wow. So it was like... Congratulations. Yeah, it was mad. But yeah. then again, right, so even mm-hmm. that being happening, I remember when I went on my course, one person said to me, oh, you're a quota? Yeah. That you're the black yeah, quota. Yeah. You're, like, to make up for this. And I was like, fuck, like, like you? I was yeah. like, but I'm being really angry about it, but then thinking, oh, my God, am I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Am I the like the person of colour to make up this choice? Yeah, I don't yeah. think I was. I think I was just sick of what I was doing. But yeah, my uni was weird because everyone was posh. 
Okay. I, hate, I hate everyone in my uni, I'm sorry guys. Oh, wow. You all know that. <laughs> we don't <Fair>. care. <laughs> um, but everyone was just like super partial. I, I did not get on with anyone. Actually, my last year of uni, I didn't go in for the whole year. Because I hated it so much. Wow. It was really weird. It was like, it was too weird. But then again, I had like people that were at my uni, but not on my course, who I got mm. on with really, really well and mm. made really great friends from. But my course was just too weird. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry, guys. Yeah. yeah, no, I just didn't. I didn't like it. In fact, we got like we got money back from our course. It was that bad. Wow. Yeah, that was a different story. That was a different it's, story. it's interesting you mentioned the quota thing because I didn't exactly have that directly, or not at the start anyway. Mm. Um, funnily enough, most of the black people dropped out of my course really? after first year. But I remember it was second, third year. There was one teacher in particular, and I love him. He's amazing, Martin Harris. Really camp. Um, but I remember he used to always like pull me aside and say, "Oh, I've got this opportunity." I thought he just liked me. I thought he's given me all these opportunities because he just likes me. Rarely did I actually like click the link he sent me or whatever. On the odd occasion I would, and it would be like, ah, oh, young black person wanted for music tech. And mm. that's when I started realising, maybe I am just a quote. Maybe he's like being extra nice to me because of an expectation because yeah. I'm from this background or whatever. And I'm not sure how significant that was at the time. In hindsight, it's just it's just interesting, isn't it? It is. It's mm-hmm. so weird. I think I wasn't. Was I the only black person on my course? I can't even remember. I think I was. There was like two other people of color, Sophie and Iona, who I actually really really love. It was weird. Our course like it was split into fashion journalism and fashion PR. Mm-hmm. So we would be, and everyone in the fashion PR were like mm-hmm. super normal, and I'd love them. Like my mm-hmm. one of my best friends, Olivia, was on that course as well, and we mm-hmm. got on really well. But then my, for some reason, my course was just extra posh and everyone was mm-hmm. international and no one, like, I just didn't get on with anyone and, like, it was a bit weird. So, yeah, there was Iona and Sophie were the only two other people of colour, I want to say, mm-hmm. that were on my course. And they, they succeeded and did, did what you, they did. Did you guys stick together consciously? No, not really, though. Because, like, Sophie I know really well now out of uni. Mm-hmm. But, like, when we, her and, they were also from London. Yeah. So... They stuck together because they were like people of colour and from London and yeah. knew each other. Whereas like I made really good friends with um Olivia this girl called Olivia yeah. who was from Devon and mm-hmm. this guy called Sam who's from up north somewhere. Yeah. And we were like always get both white and we yeah, would yeah. always just stick together. But then it's because we lived in halls to with each other as well. Of course. But yeah. I don't know. We like all connected on the same level because I think it felt when I say normal we were just like like the working class, middle class, like that sort of bond. I'm Does making this sense? huge assumption that lots of people who study fashion are very pretentious. Yeah. No, they are. And they I'm are. guessing you weren't I, because of humble beginnings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, when I say I hated everyone on the course, I didn't hate everyone, I just couldn't connect with them. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Is mm-hmm. that every... When I say pretentious, I, maybe it's... Maybe that's me making an assumption about them, but it was we were two different people like the things mm-hmm. that i was worrying about they weren't worrying about like yeah, yeah. their parents were paying for everything i was work i was like working while being at uni and yeah, like of i remember once i said um i s- called um hermes hermes and i remember that i got rinsed like oh my god <laughs> she doesn't know how to say hermes um <laughs> i like vividly i still remember that to this day being like, <laughs> like that's just well <laughs> I wouldn't expect you to be able to say it correctly, to be fair. But, like, you know, it's just like, oh, like, I, did, I felt like I didn't belong. Yeah, yeah, I that. that. was probably it. Mm. So, I don't know, yeah. It is, but fashion, yeah, it's a pretentious industry. So, yeah, so I'm guessing, kind of following university, um, you went out, 
into the field. For most people, for myself, definitely, it was very, very long and hard to actually find myself in a career job. Okay. So lots of like working jobs I don't want to work, lots of internships unpaid, lots of no money. Um, I don't know how it was for you. Maybe you had a leg up because you were in London or how was it for you trying to find work after uni? Do you know what? Like I interned a lot when I was at uni because I, I do see, remember yeah. one of my teachers, Brenda Poland, she was amazing. And she literally did say to me, like, yeah. I think she could understand that like our course wasn't giving us all what we needed. Yeah. And she was like, intern, whatever you do. I know she was like, I know it, that you don't get paid for it and mm-hmm. it's really hard and if you can do it please do it but she said intern so when I was at uni I literally interned so many places yeah, yeah. that was lucky enough that when I got out of uni I didn't have to intern anymore yeah um so I, I think I did I, yeah it was yeah. It, I, I think I did like two internships before I landed a job but it was mm-hmm. all within like a six-month period so nice. my first job was at the Telegraph perfect yeah. which I was lucky you know yeah, it's yeah. like I'm being at the right place at the right time mm-hmm. and like saying the right things definitely landed me that job like yeah, yeah. and I was really I to be honest I always think about my career journey and I mm-hmm. think oh, gosh like I was so lucky because I know for a fact there's you people that you weren't a quota were you well <laughs> <laughs> there were no other black people on the telegraph but then again like I do think I'm in an industry where it, it's still awesome. not very diverse anyway so I like to think I wasn't a quota mm-hmm. and they were just trying to add, like I added a bit extra to the team, and it wasn't just about my skin color. It was of course, about my you thoughts, being yeah, talented and, and yeah. where I wanted. Like I definitely mm-hmm. am very like vocal about what I think and yeah, yeah. where I think things go. And people do find that like, oh, this is interesting because I guess when you get like an assistant role, people mm-hmm. just want to be like mundane and not really mm-hmm. like to try and show their personality. Whereas I'm like big personality and yeah, like yeah. this is where I want to go with stuff. So yeah, I was really lucky. Got the job at the Telegraph. Then I worked at this like really really weird company called the Idleman. I did that. I was like the streetwear editor for mm-hmm. a year, which I literally did nothing for. It was like me doing nothing for a year. I mm-hmm. honestly was just sat sending emails and getting free trainers for a year. That sounds <laughs> yeah. like the dream. It was like it was kind of a dream, but also like did nothing for my development as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started working at the Guardian. And that's where I've been ever since. Nice. Yeah. The Guardian is my favourite newspaper. Oh, good. Or, well, I don't really actually have, I have physical newspapers, but it's my favourite yeah. media outlet. Great. Um, I should be careful saying that, because I work at the BBC. Um, no, it's fine. It's fine. BBC's... You might edit that the different out. Thing, <laughs> yeah, the different things, reasons. though. It's different things, like BBC is my favourite mm. place to listen to music and podcasts okay, and cool. stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, though I do love the Guardian podcast, don't get me <laughs> yeah. Um But yeah, I get, like, the Guardian, I'm so... It's more than just a job like i actually feel like it's a family yeah yeah being there that's lovely yeah and i really love what we put out into mm. the world as well so it's great to be really like happy and excited about your work i'm also really really interested in your involvement with pp as you call uh-huh. it oh pussy palace because i've always found them really interesting but i've always been afraid to invest any more than just an interest as in i don't think i would be accepted at the nights. I might be wrong, I don't know. I think you'd be accepted, but like, it's one of those things that... Well, just for the listeners, can you explain what... Oh, Pussy Palace. I'm, I'm not in it anymore, and you should definitely check it out if you've not heard of it. It's like mm-hmm. a collective of girls that basically put on nights for people of colour and queer people, mm-hmm. and it was 
built over the, the idea that like women didn't have a safe space to go. Yeah. Um, on their nights out, mm-hmm. getting harassed constantly. That's a massive thing in London. I don't know if it is that much in Oxford, but um, maybe it is. But people aren't so vocal about it. Like, it's weird. It's like, like when I think about my nights out in Oxford, though, like did I ever get really get harassed? I don't. Anyway, surely harassing is something that goes on everywhere. I'm sure it. Oh yeah, I'm sure it does. Um, maybe in the the uni scene more so than it does in like the scene that I'm thinking of. I see. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was just yeah, putting on lights out for a safe space for women. Um, mm-hmm. Sky and Nadine started it, and then myself, Alexa, Sophie, Kay Sang, and Munro mm-hmm. uh, became a part of it too, and we just developed from it from there. And it started off as being nights out, but right now I know for a fact they're doing so much more, and it's mm-hmm. like became such a it's become such like a valid space within that community because it's it's just you know there's nothing else like it yeah yeah so yeah that was my my involvement was basically just being there i was the photographer the night photographer so i do all the photography for the night um but also was on the radio show when we were doing that Mm -hmm. and just like choosing the themes for the night doing the all the creatives and getting that all together and it was basically just fun because we were all really good friends yeah, and it yeah. was just like really good friends doing what we loved and also being able to give back to a community that's given us so much yeah well I think from the outside looking in it was just so amazing and I really admired the fact that you are liberating and giving a voice and an opportunity to people who otherwise don't feel like they can yeah do like, express themselves essentially yeah in the same places that everyone else expresses themselves yeah um, especially on a station like I won't go too much into it especially <laughs> on a station like Radar yeah. which has you know a lot of controversy surrounding it or had controversy surrounding it I'm not sure if it isn't it anymore um, legal battles yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we won't get into that um, but yeah so being in London um, I kind of want to like fixate on being in London because I don't know about you but it's taken me a long time to actually like London or become familiar with it I would say. Yeah. Um, especially why well, I kind of had that stepping stone of moving from Oxford, which is quite small population, quite a kind of community atmosphere, especially Black Belize, everyone mm-hmm. knows everyone. Moving to Bristol, which is a bit bigger, but still has like a sense of community. To London, which is in the first two years, I hardly saw the same face twice. Um, everyone's on something, everyone's fast paced and everyone's moving quickly. Everything's expensive. Now I'm fully like, <laughs> Now I'm fully like used to it, and I go back to Oxford. I even go back to Bristol and get impatient. I go up lifts, and people are standing oh on gosh. the left-hand side on escalators, and it really annoys me. Literally, it <laughs> yeah. it drives you crazy. Yeah. Um, London. Uh, how I was, how long did it take you to get familiar with the London way? Till after uni, and then okay. one. To be honest, it was probably when after I went to uni, and when I started hanging around with like Sky Nadine, K Sang. Because mm-hmm. Kate Sang was one of my best friends from Oxford. Yeah. And um, she kind of brought me into that group of girls. And like yeah. that was probably the first time I'd really experienced London, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Because my experience of London was like going to the West End, like going clubbing in the West End, yeah, all that yeah. sort of stuff. That's not London. Or yeah. like that's not what people from London do. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, and I still don't love London. I don't think I ever will love London, in all honesty. Really? I don't not. I don't want to stay here. I mean, I don't want to stay here, but that's for the sake of my kids, not for me. I don't want. I don't. I mean, I don't have kids yet, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's just yeah. My thinking. If I was, if I wanted to be like fatherless my whole life, <laughs> I could see myself staying in London. No, I don't like it here. It's it's the attitude and mm. the um the mm, like right. So 
my experience of London is when when I first moved here, did all the the uni shit and like mm. had friends and and went out in Central, did all that, blah blah. Then I started meeting people from London, mm-hmm. and like you have to give it to them because they are given from a young age. I feel like they are told they need to be ambitious to be able in to, London. In London, like even it doesn't matter what field you're doing, whether it's being a drug dealer, yeah. whether it's yeah. being in music, whether it's doing, they have like mm. you have to be ambitious, right? They've got a hunger behind them that we don't have in Oxford, right? I hear that. Yeah. So I think when you meet people initially, it's always what you can do for them. It's not about building a friendship, right? Mm-hmm. And I found a lot of the times I found it very hard because I'm quite like an open-hearted person, and I really like invest myself and my like whole soul into like my friendships. Mm-hmm. So I would count people as being my friends when actually it was like an exchange. Yeah, yeah. A constant exchange like a of colleague like, yeah, always. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like whereas, like for me, it was like, oh, this person's my friend, and which I'm become really careful about using that word now when I describe people because it's like I have a lot of acquaintances in London a lot a lot of acquaintances I could probably go to any night out and like enjoy myself with the people that are there but how many people there are actually my friends yeah interesting I don't I can't really tell you Um, so and that's something I've learned and like in bad situations and in good situations is like how much because I've met some really amazing people here, like mm-hmm. who I can work with, and also I can call them my friends. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the people who I thought were my friends are not. It was just like, what can we can do for each other, which is such a weird thing to learn. Because I think in mm-hmm. Oxford we're very genuine when it comes to what you want out of a situation. Yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you don't have to think about like I always have to think about stuff when I certain people I meet I'd have to be really really think about the situation and what we're doing and what we're saying mm-hmm. whereas when I go back to Oxford I feel so free in I don't know I do feel very like uh, yeah <laughs> like, yeah it's so interesting you say that I literally I was in Oxford over the weekend just gone and I felt again kind of different to everyone but in like a sort of positive way yeah I felt like a weird sense of freedom a sense of like I can do what I want and if anyone says I'm different I can be like yeah well I've lived in London yeah yeah um, <laughs> And this, yeah, it was like, it's kind of like a weird holiday. It really going back is. to Oxford. Like, ah, like, it's like a bit of peaceful break, isn't yeah, it? Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Uh, I think as though it's like also the scene that I engaged with within London because mm-hmm. it was a lot of like the like clouty, like mm-hmm. popular people who probably, you don't necessarily need to be friends with you. I don't mm. know. Because I feel like people's experience of London is very different from mine. Mine's naturally it's been quite negative, other than my work mm-hmm. relations. I feel like when it comes to my like personal situations, it generally is quite negative. Like I don't necessarily engage with a lot of people from London anymore. Interesting. Yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna stay away from you guys. I think yeah, it's funny because I fully see what you're saying, and it's difficult because even like I'm trying to be a DJ and all of that stuff so even I find myself latching onto people and without realising I'm being nice to them and subconsciously it's because you know I want you to I mean, book me for your night yeah, yeah. or you know do this collaboration and it's something that uh, there's uh, that alongside a lot of other things about being in London that I've adopted that I'm not in, not entirely proud of almost yeah like that's such mm-hmm. it's such a normal thing though that's the yeah. problem is like that is like it's not seen as a negative whereas mm-hmm. I can see that as being a negative within myself I see yeah does that make any sense yeah, like yeah. that the way that people engage with each other here is like such a transaction 
Whereas, like, I know for a fact that doesn't do well for me and yeah. how I feel about stuff because that's just not the sort of person I am. Yeah. But I can completely understand why people are like that. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's almost not a negative because yeah, yeah. so many people I know, literally from when we started, I don't know, when I started engaging with these people to, like, where they are now, they are literally, like really up in their careers and it's mm-hmm. because they have that mentality yeah yeah which is kind of amazing cause it's like i don't know i always think of it like it's just it is really interesting talking about this because i don't think i'm very good at doing it although i'm, <laughs> I'm like trying to adopt it almost i'm maybe because similar to you it's not in me to do it it's, it's not it's not the oxford in me doesn't allow me to clout chase like that yeah um but equally i get somewhat envious somewhat bitter with the people around me who are good at doing that. Mm. I've always seen that I use the term like I'm not business savvy. And I feel like some of the London mentality is kind it's of business so savvy. It's so business savvy. It's so business savvy. Like it's and also like shameless with it. Like that's the yeah. thing is Yeah, yeah. That which makes it so, so much more okay because if mm. the, someone was doing it secretively yeah. and they were really stringing you along in those sort of senses then I'd be like, do you know what? You're not a nice person, but because they're so upfront with it, like, you know what I mean? It's like, so like, actually, this is what I want. Da, 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 da. What can you do for me? Like, people WhatsApp me still to this day, like, not even a hello, like, Ben's, what are you doing? Like, I've got this project that I need to work on. Can you help me with this? Like, and I'm like, do you know what? I rate that because I couldn't do that. Yeah, Like, I still am not that person that could just be like, do you know what? I need you to do this thing for me. Can you do it? Like, yeah. it makes me actually, yeah, like, yeah. if I have to send a message like that, I'm like, oh, like, I get anxiety about it. Can I ask, how do you feel about, say, hypothetically, you're in a room and there's a celebrity there. How do you feel about whipping out your phone, doing a little, I don't know, Instagram story to catch that celebrity in? You haven't asked for their permission. Can I get you in my story? But you yeah, do anyway. What do, do you it. think about that? I don't do it. I can't do it. No. I can't, I don't. But like, again, that's something that I've noticed a lot of people around me do so casually. People have done it with me. I mean, I don't have any clout, but there's been people like, being like, yeah, man, I'm with, I'm with Silas and just put me in the story. And I'm like, whoa, you didn't ask my permission. (laughs) I don't even know you like that, but you just want people to see that you're You're with. with, Yeah. That's like something that's, it's quite a new thing. That's quite a 21st century thing. It really is. Oh, social media is going to destroy us all. Um, Yeah, it's weird. People shouldn't do that. I guess the reason why I'm asking you in particular is because I know you're in the fashion world and I see that a lot more within the fashion world. Yeah. Also, you know, I work with a lot of celebrities often and if I was like that as a person, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have a job. Mm -hmm. I always think about it as a professional setting. Same. You can't do that because it just takes that one person to be like, that's not okay and you don't work again. And you're meeting the talent in a professional environment where they're supposed to feel safe and away from like fans and... Yeah. But there's certain people that... Oh, actually, no. Right, so, for instance, I've got someone I work with all the time, Suspect, mm-hmm. who is, like, a, like I call that bro. That's, like, my bro, but he's... Suspect like a, the MC. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, comes around my house. Like, we're, like that's, mm-hmm. like, he's like, he calls me a sis. Like, nice. like, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. we're, when we're together, it's like, ah, fans, like, we'll put each other on our stories and stuff like that because yeah. we've got that sort of friendship. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, no one goes on my story unless you're, like... Unless we're, like, connected and we're friends. You yeah, yeah. my story. Um, yeah, I think it's weird. I think yeah, that's weird. I hear that. There's a really, someone put up a post the other day of like they were in the room with Beyonce. They were mm-hmm. literally just in a room with Beyonce and it was quite funny because she put as caption, I've just had the dinner with Beyonce, but she was taking the piss out of people that do that. Like, yeah, she yeah. was like, 
oh, like, I've just met this person, but she was like, I was literally in a room with them, but, like, yeah, yeah. I've just had dinner with Beyonce, don't tell me anything, like, because yeah. it's like, that's what people like, everyone's like, so on the clout, aren't they? But, I mean, how how much do you take the piss before people perceive you as being genuine? Because mm. I find myself doing that as well, like, yeah. trying to take the piss, but then there's a, a lot of people who don't know me well enough to yeah. know that I'm taking the yeah, piss. That's very true. Like, I am very, that I'm very much like that, I've got a very sarky attitude. And yeah. people always think I'm really rude before they meet me. Yeah. They're like, oh, you're just taking the piss out of everything, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I think it's quite interesting. I haven't actually acknowledged this until this conversation here, that maybe the reason why I'm not business savvy or clout chasey is because of the Oxford instinct in me. Mm. And like you mentioned earlier, like people who are like maybe born and raised in London or other like bigger cities are born with that or like con- told constantly growing up that you need to be ambitious if you're going to do this, you need to like really do it. Mm. We didn't really have that in Oxford, I we don't, don't think. We don't, and it's weird because I'm, well, I'm not going to say people in Oxford aren't ambitious. It's that ambitious, like, it's ambitious in different things, mm-hmm. I think. Like, you're told in London from a young age, and I've seen it and like witnessed it with my friends that are from here. It's just like, you know, as, especially with people of colour from here, they're mm-hmm. told from a very young age, like, to be able to get out of like these situations that we're in like mm-hmm. i guess they're council states stuff that's that's stuff scary right yeah funny. so to be told they're told like you just whatever you're gonna do you're gonna have to really succeed in right whereas mm-hmm. my mum was kind i remember like my mum she's so lovely but she was so like you can do what you want like do you know yeah, what i mean yeah. like it was like it was never like you need to do this yeah, you need yeah. to get good grades you need to she was just like just do what makes you happy so with my dad yeah, yeah? And my mom, yeah. <laughs> yeah do you know what i mean so and i think quite a lot of people from oxford have probably got parents that are like that just mm. like they're just quite a lot more calmer just relaxed yeah, yeah, yeah it's like this relaxed attitude that's like mm. like you literally and that's why so many people from oxford like stay from oxford stay stay in oxford and yeah, they develop yeah. their lives in oxford and they're doing what they do whereas we're like moved here we're in these high pressures anxiety yeah, ridden yeah. situations and we're like i feel like adulthood delays here oh massively definitely massively like how the people <laughs> that i went to school with have kids yeah they've got houses they're settled yeah, down yeah. they're like Absolutely. literally and even the ones that, this comes from the ones that are from Belize to the ones that live in like summertown like yeah yeah they've all done the same thing wherever what level they're at in mm-hmm. their lives they've all done the same thing settled yeah like within into their lives whereas like we're like people always ask me when i go back home oh when are you gonna have kids i'm like i haven't even got a baby boyfriend like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. having a kid like I, I we think about trying to buy a house here you're like that's I need, mental. I need half a million pounds to spend yeah. here at one bedroom flat here. Yeah, like, yeah. what do you think I'm going to be bringing a kid into this world anytime soon? Exactly, yeah. It is, it is, it's weird. Mm. Adulthood is definitely delayed over here, isn't it? Another, like, funny little anecdote. So the other day, um, I took my dad to a gig in Brixton. Um, so he came down. I live in Bethnal Green at the moment. He came to my house. Everything was cool. I said, oh, yeah, we're going to get the tube there. It's pretty quick. I completely took for granted that my dad hasn't been on a tube in... 20 years maybe so I got him on the tube and it's about 7 in the evening on a Friday night so it's really really busy (laughs) and you know my dad he's cool he's like comfortable but I completely took for granted that he's not familiar with seeing that many people on public transport at any given time so he actually looked like a little bit anxious and even like walking through Brixton on a Friday night it's far more busier than any street in Oxford is and I just in that moment I suddenly realised one that I'm familiar with this and two how unfamiliar it is to the average ox Oxonian. Oh, it's weird, it's, isn't it? Mm. Like when I have friends that come up to visit me, mm. I 
there are certain ones that I'm like, oh, I can leave you to make your way to my house, but there's yeah. quite a lot of them, like a lot of them from Oxford, that I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to meet you from Victoria. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I exactly. never imagine you will not get to my house. Yeah, You're like yeah. so confused. Or oh, they'll just get an Uber because they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's just so, so It is so fast paced here. And it's funny, isn't it? Because my mum, mm. she came up and we, like, my mum can only do like two tube journeys. Bearing in mind, she like pretty much grew up in London. She went to uni here and stuff yeah. like that. But she can do from like my house mm-hmm. to like Victoria and like from Victoria to like somewhere up north and that's it one yeah. tube journey that's all she can do so the other day we were like i did this talk at harvey nichols so had to go to harvey nichols and then mm. we went up to like seven sisters and got multiple tubes and she was just like this is horrendous she's <laughs> yeah. like mental. how do you remember all of this like yeah, how do you yeah. know what direction you're going in she was walking slow i was like walk faster yeah. like oh we've got to get to the back of the tube because this is this exit and this will get yeah, she's yeah. like what in the world is this mad race <laughs> it's such worlds apart even like i traveled to work and it's a 10 kilometer journey it doesn't take me that long to me 10 kilometers that's a nice commute mm. to work in london i just clocked like when i was younger my house to school which felt like really long was three kilometers oh really yeah, it's not even that much. Mate, my commute, <laughs> I remember my commute from You went to Charwell, to be fair. I used to ride to Charwell every day from Blackbird East to Charwell. No wonder why you were a good runner. You well, had that, all that like, yeah, leg power that was, from cycling. It was mad. It was like, I used to cycle. I mm. felt like it was like a really long cycle as well. Mm. I used to do that every morning. It was hell. Wow. But yeah, so my commutes now are like so mm. quick. Cause I yeah, was like, yeah. remember how, or even when I got the bus, it was like two buses. Yeah, Long yeah. ass journey. Um, so yeah, I'm used to kind of like a long commute. But then when I used to go to Piers, then I just walked to school. Of course, yeah. Which yeah. was easy. So now you're um, doing fashion. Yes. For for the Guardian. Yeah. Well, I work. I'm. Fr- I went freelance me like mm-hmm. last year. Okay. So I do like two days a week at the Guardian, and mm-hmm. then the rest of the time I kind of work with artists or cool. just do what I want. Sometimes I just sleep and watch Netflix. Nice. That is the dream. I feel like a lot of people in the creative industries. Yeah. Ideally, want to freelance, yeah. but still be associated with the big brands. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of guarantee an income yeah. kind of thing. So, where can people kind of find the work you do? Are you are you on the social media? Are you yeah. cloud chasing? Um, uh, I I <laughs> I actually get really I get in trouble often because I'm I don't ever post on social media. Okay. But you can go on my Instagram. It is quite yeah. fun. It's mainly me and my work. It's okay. very sure. Um, I have a website which I never update, which need to start updating. Nice. But that has my work on it too. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like that's just how. When you, sorry, when you say your work specifically, what work is this? Work mainly my styling. Okay, I don't ever cool. put my writing anywhere, weirdly enough. But I put my all my stylings online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And do you offer styling to say someone like myself? If you wanted you it, advice. I, feel, I feel like you're fine. I feel like you've definitely got your identity down okay. now. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. That's reassuring. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you so much for doing this. It's it's yeah, it's really great to have you on. Like I said, from a long time, I've always acknowledged that Amy's cool. Dad knows your mom and likes your mom, <laughs> and that that's a good sign as well. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and you know, I'll definitely thank you. keep tabs on how you get on. <laughs> thank you, and thanks for having me. This is a great show and oh, I really think thank you it's so going to be great I want to see the next people that you have on this I think it's going to be hilarious oh yeah I've got some big plans hopefully. nice yeah. nice exciting <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> bye